This is the AI-assisted organization podcast with Implement AI, hosted by myself, Piers Linney, and my co-host and co-founder of Implement AI, Alok Shukla. Hello again, Alok. Hey, Piers, how are you? So I'm, uh, I'm back in the UK after my whistle-stop tour of Europe, nine countries in about two weeks, and I was worn out, I slept for about two days, but I'm back in London now. Um, We've already been, you know, discussing what we're going to discuss today, arranging some events outside of London, around the UK, doing a bit of a UK tour of Implement AI. So we've got a lot, again, on the show um, today. We're going to go through, you know, fractional chief AI officers. We're going to talk about the news. We're going to show you Claude 2. We talk a lot about chat GPT and different language models, but let's actually show you one. I think it's important you understand how to use them and which ones to use and when and why. And we're going to go through more news again, our next event, and also... A little bit about the AI of the week, which seems to be popular. People keep asking us for that. We missed it last week, so we're doing a, a short version. So let's get into it. So one of the things that struck me this week, I was just reading the news. This is sort of a general piece of um, news I was following. I can't remember exactly where it was. Was that you know, people talk about you know AI? You know, is it going to change things? Where is it? And one of the big things that struck me is that, and this is what I was reading, is that if we stop today. Just with what we've got today, large language models, transformer diffusion models, and they continue to evolve in a steady pace, then already several sectors are permanently going to be disrupted, transformed, changed forever. And that's just what they do, how they do it, how they recruit people, how people come up through the system, which is something we, we've sort of seen as well. But how do you have new junior coders or new junior lawyers when essentially you're not, you're not going to need them? So it's something that struck me is that you know, we're at a place already, which is, means we're going to face systemic change. No, I agree with you. And you actually said something, Piers, like um, it was going to maybe be a title for one of your future newsletters, the end of the trainee potentially, isn't it, right? Like we've, we've had this comment from several people senior, either within coding or within law. And the key thing is, is that these language models are able to provide, they're basically like a, a junior, very eager, very keen and capable analyst or coder or data scientist. You can literally pick, you know, do you want analyst, coder, data scientist? And they are able to like, do things very, very well with the right context. So it's like an eager trainee that just wants, wants to have your training. So I, I agree with you. I mean, a couple of highlights from like what where the technology is right now. We touched a little bit on the, the um, actors issues in the past episode, but I, I've been looking at um, AI movie trailers that have been made by people independently, you know, just through using Mid Journey and Runway Generation 2. And people are making like sci-fi film trailers, which look amazing. I've seen Nike commercials, which are not Nike commercials, done in an amazing way already. So the technology already has like completely flipped what's possible. And we'll come a little bit to the kind of the Google uh, MedPal model a little bit too further. But like, I saw it's like outperforming diagnostics and also empathy in doctors in many different ways. And in one paper, it was actually showing how it detected lung cancer without even having ever having understood it or seen a visual example of it. So the power is profound. I think Emad as well, the stability AI found as well, he was he actually made or he was showing a comparison between, I think his new Willy Wonka film made by AI and one made manually with humans. He admitted that the human one's still better, but it's yeah. marginal when you watch it. So it's going to be interesting to see how you create a pipeline of talent, given that you're not going to need new talent in lots of different industries from the outset at the bottom, no more juniors. I think I will do a newsletter on that. So let's move on. ChatGPT, so big update really, if you're not an iOS user, and uh, is that it's now available on Android and more importantly, Android in the UK. Um, my view, the phone app's great to have it, but it's not quite as um, useful as the web app. Um, you want as many different uh, sort of settings, the things you can use, like, you know, code interpreter. Um, we're going to see, you know, custom instructions coming soon. You don't have plugins really. It doesn't work quite in the same way. But it's nice to have it on the phone. So that's a bit of a um, good news. I'm still waiting for, we mentioned this last week, 
big news is it's there, but not available in the UK yet, is custom instructions. So you're still starting every new chat as if, you know, from scratch, which is pretty annoying. But we're going to talk about things like Claude as well, where you can almost, you know, paste yeah. in context each time. And that you can create a workflow where you provide the context. And I still think it's going to be limited because even I use, you know, ChatGPT with almost several different avatars in terms of what I'm doing, who I'm doing it for. No, I agree with you. And kind of the way I'm getting around that is I'm keeping a few context windows open. So like a, a chat where it's about a particular topic. And then when I'm working on that topic, I go back to that one because it's already got everything preloaded in. But you're absolutely right. You know, like having the custom instructions and having the ability to maybe have different personas, this is all going to come. And there are little workflows and things you can do around it. Regarding the app from um, Android, they had to do that because there's so many people kind of like releasing almost fake apps where they're just trying to like monetize, you know, open AI's position in it for the, for the um, you know, chat GPT. So they, they have to do that. But I think that provides the foundation to add more features from there. So excited to see what happens next. Another piece of news really, which is more of a macro conversation, which we'll touch this briefly, is that, you know, these companies, you know, OpenAI, Anthropic, and there are many more of them, they're trying to build an AGI, you know, so in nation states as well. And we talk about, I've, I've written as well in my sort of a newsletter as well on LinkedIn about, is it the end of SaaS, for example? And currently it isn't. It can be a thin layer of innovation across these very powerful models. But eventually, if AGI is solved, then the whole technology industry in terms of software development, software as a service, especially if you can communicate with these platforms using natural language, it's, it's kind of gone, it's done. Um, and it's just a question of when is that going to happen? So not something we really need to focus on too much today. We'll come back to it. But just one for, th- for thought is that at some point, things are going to change materially and significantly for anyone uh, who's developing code. Yeah, and I think this kind of leads the, the pipeline down for like what companies need to be aware of. Ultimately, like because all these SaaS products are kind of like getting almost like knocked out by the new capabilities and features added into the new language models, Really, what you need to think about is having your own database structure, your own foundational database, you know, within your own secure environment, and then having your own natural language models, which you can query on top of it. And as that gains more capability, you can literally knock out more and more SaaS products over time. So that's the key thing, really, is for you to kind of like build your own system, and then you can have that tuned and customized to where you want to be. Because I, for example, I was talking with some people that are researching, launching a kind of like a SaaS product. And, and honestly, I was sharing with them some information and some of the capability of some of the new language models is actually in the medical bit. And I was just saying to them that these language models out of the box are just so powerful. There's so many features. You know, the key thing really is implementation. It's not really just building new technology, essentially, now. Which brings me neatly on to the next um, bit of news, which was Google MedPalm 2, something you're close to being from that sort of healthcare background. So MedPalm 2 is now available. And this is the interesting thing as well to people who need to sort of understand is that a lot of these models, you know, these are the general ones, ChatGPT, we'll talk about Claude 2 as well. But there are some very specific specialized models. And MedPalm is a great example of this, one which is specifically developed using, is trained on, fine-tuned, using a specific healthcare-related information. Yeah, absolutely. And it's staggering how good it is. It was able to, like I just alluded to before, and um, they showed, they uploaded an x-ray image, okay, of a chest scan almost. And then they, and the, the model, even though it hadn't been trained on, you know, labeled images of chest scan images, which is how computer vision used to work, from its own text understanding of what cancers and different areas looked like, it was able to identify and classify, and with a high degree of accuracy, what cancer was within that x-ray this is insane it was not trained on that right already it's already been proven in like nature journals where it's outperformed human doctors on empathy and caring in terms of ratings by um, patients because the language model isn't tired the language model isn't irritated 
language model has all the time and it's not, you know, having a billion things on its mind. It's able to give the full attention directly. So the power of these models, and there will be a legal model, there will be, you know, like um, financial models and different ones that will come out, but the power of these models is profound basically right now well they're also getting better marks on the medical exams than the, uh, the students as well they outperform doctors now percent yeah it's bonkers isn't it but if you think about the normal distribution of like most medical students they'll be in the middle isn't it they're not going to be in the upper quartiles so these models are already consistently outperforming let's call it average level physicians and the thing is it's not about replacing them it's just that like the standard, excellent, well-trained physician is now going to be even better because it has also the context of all of this. Plus, let's say, say I don't know, 5,000 papers come out per day. How many of those can be followed and read up on? But you'll have like an oncologist-specific um, you know, language model, which is tracking the latest things within that area, and then something for pediatrics, another thing for different areas. There's so many interesting things. Just on the kind of like health medical note, this, there's also interesting things possible. I saw um, this post where someone basically uploaded a load of papers about nutrition and the optimal, basically like nutritional food to intake and what you required and asked and code interpreter to create recipes from the optimal foods and stuff like that. And it came up with some innovative recipes, which had the nutrition that you were looking for. So I think we're going to see some really interesting stuff, basically. That's where you can optimize your business with the technology. You can optimize yourself as well. And also, if you've been hearing things or talk about you know, auto GPTs, baby AGIs, and it's quite understand what the hell are they talking about? So this is where it's interesting, where you've got to picture these specific domain expert models of healthcare, for example, or engineering or yeah. you know mathematics, whatever it might be. They may do the work. They're the expert. You know, They're the ones that are reading 5,000 papers a day. No human could ever dream of doing. And then you might have another agent, another LLM, which is an expert in taking that data and producing you know white papers or whatever content you want and it's like a researcher exactly maybe a researcher in the middle actually to bring several of these things together and another one's an expert in writing it and producing content in a way people actually want to read it and that's where you get these kind of baby agis eventually it'll all be combined into one general ai uh, we don't know when but between now and then these models when you piece them together into a workflow are potentially just as powerful it's just more complicated but then imagine once one other agent, like which is actually looking at the medical history of all the patients within that general practice, and then anyone that kind of matches what's been changed or a new recommendation or anything like this, it then puts those things together and says, this person requires this, for example. So I'm really excited for the potential in the medical area and because from my own parents, like health things that they, they, they're going through, I'm just very aware of like what's going on and the disjointed systems. So I'm really keen to like, you know, how you know, any forward thinking places that want to like integrate these things, there's so much opportunity to do this. Let's move on. It would have been news, actually, if you didn't mention the sort of big players. So Meta, you know, they've been fantastic. At, um, a lot of people don't realize this. But the output in terms of open source um, research has been uh, amazing. And also various models, things people can play with. Not a lot of them are sort of publicly available yet, but the capabilities they've created are pretty astonishing. However, as you might expect, they want to make some money. So Meta's now launching a commercial AI model. Not sure exactly what it's going to look like, but what they're saying that maybe more customizable, maybe able to, you know, uh, use, it, use your own data over it more easily. Um, that remains to be seen exactly. But they're also saying, we'll come on to some others in a moment, so they're going to incorporate this into all of their products. Yeah, and they, and, the, and the, the Llama 2 from Meta, they're basically providing it over like a an open source kind of use product. And basically, it's quite funny. Um, you can use it commercially as long as you have less than, I think it was 800 million monthly users, basically, right? Like uh, if you cross 
yeah, yeah, if you cross if you cross that, then 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 you need to ask for a license. But I don't see many people kind of going past that bit. So yeah. And if you if you have passed that, they're going to give you a license as well. <laughs> um, the other ones, just while we rattle through them, they're the ones that are going all in and want to make sure everyone's aware of that, especially when their earnings calls and various. Um, you know, uh, moments where they can talk about AI is Intel. So you don't really hear a lot about Intel, you hear a lot about NVIDIA, uh, but Intel are going absolutely all in with software, infrastructure, everything they do is going to have AI at the heart. And they see this as the very much the future for their business. They want to become an AI platform. And they've added a supercomputer to some wire like Watson people are using. But a lot of these big companies have been slightly caught out by, because you know, the, the behemoths been slightly caught out by the changes this year, but they are catching up. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, uh, and and I think like if you look at Nvidia, they've literally almost sold out all of their allocation of compute, and there's almost like bidding between different companies, like who can get priority allocation. So I'm not surprised the infrastructure companies are going in there because everybody wants to kind of like be in that whole systems area. And the other one which you'd expect, which again has, has made some announcements, but they're, they're kind of speeding up now, is Amazon. So this is both Amazon AWS, but they want to become you know, the platform hosting your artificial intelligence-based solution. And also they're embedding into there, so Amazon Bedrock, for example, the ability to host solutions. And also they're kind of building around it. So they've got um, expanding their sort of AI foundational model services. This is Bedrock. They were talking about being the kind of the app store for LLMs. I'm not sure whether that's still... The plan exactly. We want to support more models like Anthropic, and we've got Cohere here, Claude Two as well. So, and generative AI has been integrated into the Amazon. I haven't used it yet, but their QuickSight business intelligence service. So you can see that again, just like Microsoft, Intel, Meta, Amazon, all of them, Google, AI is now pervading all aspects of their strategy. There's nothing they are doing that is not in some way connected to or empowered power by artificial intelligence. 100%. And Amazon did something very interesting. So with their AI service, one of their kind of medical applications that let's say that kind of like compete a little bit with MedPalm from Google, and in that way, they're offering a solution, a trained language model, which will automatically summarize and doctor patient consultations and create summaries in a secure way. They're offering that basically, right? This is what SaaS, some SaaS companies are just building and selling basically, right? And they're offering that for free as a foundation layer to build on top of it, right? So I think it's going to become super interesting when all these companies are like almost in an arms race to give as much intelligence as possible for a low cost. So you build on top of them. So it's good for the consumer. It's good for the business owner. And it's good for like, you know, people that want to kind of like integrate those things into your company not so great for the companies that are trying to build a SaaS product on top of these things because these companies are all trying to like increase the value that they're offering and make it easier to build on their platform and and, and that's what we see or they see a SaaS that's working and and you know, back in the day you bought it you acquired or a use case that was the exit wasn't it whereas now you know <laughs> you ask your platform just to write the code and replicate it that's it. And they've seen the foundational use cases a bit like, you know, Wi-Fi is like for internet access to a computer. So the same thing will be like, okay, summarizing consultations for doctors everywhere. Everyone's going to need to do that. Let's just offer that for free, basically. So I think there's just so many of these different use cases that are going to be applied. Well, I can leave it there for news today because lots of stuff that's more relevant to actually implementing this in your business, which is what we're here to help you try and do. So one of the things, uh, products or services, you want to call it that, that we've developed is the, a lot doesn't like this, right? I call it the Chow. It's the Chief AI Officer. And we understand that most companies, even some large companies we're working with, you know, 200, 500 employees plus, they, they don't really have the, the role 
It's normally set out in the sort of organizational structure to have a chief AI officer. So it might be the CTO, the CIO, whatever it might be, but it's not always their job. It's not always their expertise. Um, it may well become that over time, but they're not really able to keep up with the pace of things that are as they evolve. You know, we're trying to do that for you, but it's quite difficult to do. So we developed the, in, a bit like the fractional CFO, which people are quite used to, where you don't always need that expertise, which can be quite expensive in the business, you know, on a day-to-day basis, full-time. We developed the fractional chief AI officer, the fractional chow. And this is something that um, it seems to be really, really working for some of our clients. Yeah. And we are quite keen to sort of make sure that anyone listening to it understands what that is, why it's important, and why you need someone in your business that's going to champion AI to become an AI assisted organization um, and understand the strategy, where things are going, how that impacts your business and how you should begin to implement AI into your business at a pace which works for your organization. 100% because like the fractional chief AI officer is only thinking about AI and its impact in the whole organization, you know, across marketing, sales, you know, operations and delivery fulfillment. And their whole goal is to basically like help that organization see the horizon see the landscape of what's going to happen, but then more tangibly and more concretely help that company implement. And we were talking about the five levels of AI peers, isn't it, right? Like, So just like you've got like the five levels of driver assistance in, in self-driving cars going from zero AI to fully autonomy, full autonomy. Like we've got, we've put together, and there's a white paper we'll be releasing on like the five levels of AI. And the whole point is like, you want to get all your departments, you know, not just siloed in doing little bits of tactical AI here and there. You want to have a systematic approach so you can take your organization from not AI assisted to AI assisted and gain the benefits from it because there are some very interesting strategic new products or services or solutions that we've been discussing with different clients which are uncovered by using AI and that presents some very interesting market opportunities for them to go after new space or compete in a way that their competitors can't and that all comes about from having um, the conversation and the meetings and and the framework that, that we help provide that so I think that's it's really important like have that kind of external viewpoint, but then integrate that into what you need for your company. It's also, this is not like, I keep saying this, it's not like cloud where you can come back in five years or 10 years even in some cases and think, okay, let's transition to the cloud now. You haven't got that kind of time frame to play with here. Yeah, and if you do, you're going to be left behind. And I will say that, you know, it's going to be very, very difficult to catch up given the pace of change. And one of the issues with having an individual focusing on this is that their understanding of artificial intelligence where it's going is always going to be slightly behind the curve one person so our fractional sort of our approach to the fractional chief AI officer is that yes there's a person gauged you can contact but actually what you're getting is all the expertise that we're developing over time by the organization what we're trying to do really is, is help organizations as a clue the name of the business implement ai so and when we're doing that we're learning really how you do it what pace you do it, different organizations, you know, how, how you do it in a regulated organization. And these are things you're only really going to learn by doing it. Your fractional AI officer, it's, it's, it's an individual, but it's actually implement AI. You're getting a whole kit and caboodle to turn up and help you become an AI-assisted organization. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's uncovering all of the opportunities and, and the shortcuts, basically, right? Because the more we see kind of different opportunities and we're implementing in different businesses, the more easier it is to translate that across into your organization rather than someone doing this for the first time without them ever having seen anything or understood anything before, basically. And I think that's the key thing, right? You're not going to go from level zero with no AI to fully AI, you know, assisted without going through the levels. And you need to go through the levels in a systematic way with your policies, your framework, and also your strategic priorities. And the key thing we always look at is like, how can you optimize the business to drive more revenue? While at the same time, how can you, you know, upskill the team so the team is AI assisted and you go from there. So the, the key thing is you need to engage a planning process now 
And you actually need to like think about how you want to implement it. And I really think the best way is like you guys focus on your business and where you want to go with, but then plug into that external expertise to help you accelerate and catalyze where you want to get to. And it's the whole thing is it's not just about business strategy. It's about your plan, obviously, longer term plan, but it's about strategy, it's about ethics, it's about governance, it's about policy. It's about how does how is AI going to pervade your business? And it's not purely about AI in terms of code. It's how do you embed it and build into your strategy so that it becomes a pillar of everything you do? Exactly. Integrated. You know, you've got electricity, you've got you know, Wi-Fi, you've got, you've got intelligence, basically. So that's our fractional chief AI officer service. If you're interested, we'll leave the details in the description, but also just contact us via the website. Now, let's move on. One thing we talked about last week was ChatGPT, which everyone's familiar with. And then when we talk to people about, you know, things like, you know, Anthropic and Claude to various other large language models, general ones or sort of more specialist ones. They kind of look at you blankly in many, many ways. Or we, we see in the comments or the emails we receive, you know, what is that? I've never heard of it. Is it better than ChatGPT? So one thing we wanted really to talk about is because we use both in, in different ways. And there are the reasons why you might and reasons why, you know, ChatGPT has a bit more functionality. But this is moving very, very quickly. So you're going to see these things uh, chasing each other like an arms race, really. And they're going to level up over yeah. time. I don't know, maybe just go through the differences, the main ones between ChatGPT, Claude 2, and how you've used them. What we can see is that like you want to be using multiple models, depending on what you're trying to do, because I mean, every day I'm using AI to work with as a partner. But the difference between Claude 2 and um, GPT is that GPT is very smart and it's got like, you know, functions like code interpreter and it can do things very well with high analytical understanding. But its memory is not so great. You can't put a lot of context into it. So, for example, when you're dealing with quite complex subjects, let's call it very technical subjects, where maybe there's a lot of context. And I'll give an example, let's say a psychiatry conference, or you're talking about, let's say you want to write an article, but in your words, with your expertise, and you've, let's say, delivered like a, a long conference on it, how can you use that? You can't use GPT at the moment for those things, because if you try and put that context into, like, let's say you transcribe one of your lectures or one of the different um, you know, mornings of the conference, you can't fit that into GPT. So what I've been finding is using Claude and GPT, you can get much better results. So I thought we can try a new section on the podcast. And um, so I'm going to share my screen now and explain a few little, diff little different bits of, of Claude 2, basically, right? So let's have a little look together. So again, I've been using both. It's interesting just even using the same <laughs> prompts in many ways with the same kind of context and seeing what they come back with and the, and the pace at which they do that. And it is, it is fascinating. But I think one thing we'd also do, like at some point, is a bit of a, a deeper dive on how these LLMs actually work. So I think most people don't understand that. Yeah, absolutely. So this is Claude 2. And what's really nice about it is you can see that like it's got the ability to add files straight away, five maximum files. So you can actually have multiple different files, 10 megabytes each, and it's PDF, text files, CSV as well. So you've got already a wide range of files. So you could upload a Word document and a, a, you know, a spreadsheet, and you could then chat with both those pieces of information you know, in, in quite a large way. So let's look at an example, right? So my dad had been to like a conference, and it was like a very long conference, and it was like two separate days, basically. And so what he wanted was like a summary of the key action points from within that conference. And so what I did was I got audio from the conferences transcribed, and then from that, I created two documents, which I then uploaded in, which you can see here. And then I put here, you know, help me create a summary, separate out the different lectures, because it was an hour and a half morning session, and then it was like a different session, but it was there was no breaks in between. Create a high-level summary of five lines of each lecture, and then expand on the summary. So what's quite nice is it's able to do that in quite a good way, and it has the action points. And so what was the quite nice bit 
was that we were looking at one part with technology. So let's look at this one here, for example. And um, yeah, so... So just on that, just quickly there, but that's quite a large text file, isn't it? So It was huge. I know the, the context window is up to, is it 70,000, 100,000 there? 70,000 um, 70, words, basically 100,000 tokens, essentially. Words. Yeah. yeah, so... That, and a lot of people I talk to, they're quite afraid of dropping in lots because they think, oh, I won't be able to absorb all of that. But clearly it does and it can and it works. Yes. And then with this, you can then go into greater detail because, like, for example, this technology for dementia care, if you wanted to kind of break that down and expand on those different sections, it can do that very nicely. So you can say, please expand on lecture two for me and go from there. So I think this is a very powerful thing when you're dealing with more technical information. Um, which is like from a conference or from like a white paper. I, I used this actually for a huge Microsoft document they'd released, and I wanted to uncover what were the relevant points for us. So I actually inputted the details of our company, and I then asked it to like summarize those bits for us. So I think it's super smart that it enables you to like digest huge amounts of information. It was a nearly a 80 to 90 page presentation that I loaded in to kind of do that in that way. So that's one thing getting summaries and insights from complex, let's call it technical information. But the bit that I found the most interesting so far is writing. So I like writing myself. I also spend a lot of time reading, thinking, coming up with ideas and structuring things. So if I'm going to write like a technical white paper or going to write some information, I want it to reflect my ideas. I don't just want any old information coming out. So another example within Claude 2, which was quite good, is what we were able to do is here. So let's have a look at this. So Piers and I gave a, a conference in London where it was like a AI for SMEs and, and businesses, and it was like a, you know, a six-hour conference. And so what I did was I got all of that audio transcribed. I then then loaded it in. I got a 50-point action summary of the key points from within that. But then what I did was I then ex used that to expand when I was writing, saying I want to write more about this area or this topic. But I was using my own information and my own ideas as the foundation. And what I found from that was it was really nice because I was able to do that in the way that I wanted. And it was reflecting my ideas and my structure back at me. And it was able to control that, you know, using our five levels of AI and using our four dim dimensions of a company. It was able to do that very well. But then, but I did use Code Interpreter to generate myself a, a image. I wanted an image file of a table. So I used Claude to generate the, the document. Then I put a summary into GPT where I asked it to create an action table and then give me an image. So I think the key thing here is you want to be using, you know, different models, but I thought just be nice to kind of like show how you could use it in a couple of, you know, practical use cases, basically. You know? I think I've used, so ChatGPT has, mm -hmm. you know, code interpreter, eventually custom instructions, got plugins, which is pretty powerful. So you know, it can access the internet, for example, although it's been, Bing's been slightly rolled back, but it'll be back. But there are other things like, you know, plugins like VoxScript, for example, which will search the internet for you or allow you to sort of um, trawl you through YouTube videos. But I sort of use that to sort of almost use the plugins, access that information. You might use, you know, my alpha, alpha for some computational reason, but then extract that information, create a kind of a, a base document. And then I've sort of pasted that into Claude and then started a game because I don't need any more external information. It's all been done for me. And then use that model then and a huge amount of context in the background to produce far more sort of interesting, relevant, and readable documents. And that's that's very powerful, the mix of the two. And we're using the chatbots here. We're using the sort of consumer front ends. You can do all of this through APIs. And you might find that, you, again, this is why this stuff's going to move so quickly there. By the time you build a workflow, they use a chat GPT and, and then, it, you know, you flow it into Claude and do something else. They probably both have all those capabilities as well. They're kind of leveled up. So that's one of the, one of the challenges of AI is moving very, very quickly. But don't just get lost in and obsessed with, you know, Google Bard or ChatGPT. Really learn about what are the best use cases for each of these large language models and use them to your best advantage. 
yeah, you don't have one team member. You don't have, you have different people that do different things and you have customized specialties within there. So I think you, you need to start engaging with these tools and using them. But I, you know, I hope this was a bit useful and, and, a, and a different part of the podcast, basically. Well, we'll probably come back to it a bit more. I mean, one thing we're going to, we are launching, which we'll come back to maybe next week is um, implementing AI to the training division because we keep being asked for that. And that's something we'll come back to as well. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's talk about our events, uh, which is really exciting. We've done a couple in uh, Manchester, we've done one in Lisbon as well. Uh, now, we're also now in talks with a local partner to do quite a big event in Manchester. I think it's really important that we, you know, we do try and cover the whole of the UK. We're also going to be covering um, Ireland as well. So we're going to be in Dublin, I think, in September, November, and probably Q1 yeah. uh, next year as well. So I have quite a few events, and uh, they're all going to be slightly different. We're also potentially doing some more sort of enterprise-style kind of roundtable. So we're trying to you know, mix up the content for different audiences, whether you're an SME, a small, medium-sized business, or a kind of a larger enterprise. So we'll be releasing more information about the Manchester event during the course of um, August, I think it's um, safe to say. So please do look out for that. Now, one thing we kind of missed last week, because we were kind of on the road, is um, AI of the week, which people like. Now, this is quite hard to do <laughs> because there are so many of them and used in many exciting ways. I think one we've been discussing this week has come up in probably more conversations than most, I'd say, is a Rewind. Do you know, we both install, we've both been using. I don't tend to use Safari as much. I tend to use sort of um, the Google app. I don't use Safari. But just explain Rewind and why I think it's useful. Rewind is really cool because it's basically a personalized AI which will be installed on your iPhone and or your laptop computer, MacBook if you've got the latest chip, um, but let's say on your iPhone. And what it will do is it will see every single document, image, websites, um, you know, that you go, a screenshot that you go through, at whether it's Twitter feeds, LinkedIn. And then what you can then do is you can ask it questions to the AI because it's stored on your phone um, about content you might have seen. So, you know, when you think, oh, where did I find that? Or where did I see this? You can get that information. And what's really nice is like, I- I'm spending a lot of time these days on Twitter or X, basically. And I'm looking at like different um, AI implementations, different things like this. I go through a lot of white papers. And what's really cool is I can then go back against it and query it. So over time, this is going to become a personalized AI. And that's the whole point of it, where it knows what I'm interested in. And it also is able to like help me discover and, and capture new things. So I just see it as an extension of my mind, really, which is what it's about, really, isn't it? There's a, there's a whole concept in psychology about the extended mind, basically, where it's not just what's inside your brain. It's also within your data storage systems and everything like this. But I've just found it so interesting that I just go to it and ask questions. Like, so for me, that's, that's, my, that's my AI of the week. There's a, another app, I guess it's more of a web app actually, called uh, My Mind, which is quite similar. Let you sort of drop information so you can recall it um, as you sort this of go does it automatically. Sort of yeah. browsing day. Now, I wonder whether Apple, we mentioned this last week, whether Apple AI, whatever the hell it's going to be called, um, might do something like this. Because yeah. essentially, if you think about it, we've always talked about as you go through life, right? If you walk down the street, you leave this enormous trail of data, and that becomes big data very, very quickly. And if you think about it, we were talking about Claude too early in the pod. Creating this sort of context, this context windows is that as you go through life now, you're going to be creating more and more context about who you are, what you do, what you like, how you want it done. And then your AI, your personal AI, which we're all going to have, and your job essentially, is then going to look at that context as as it evolves over time, understand more and more about you and operate in a more sort of ruthlessly sort of um, optimized way on your behalf. No, absolutely. And I think it's just really exciting. And you look at some of the people like Mark Andreessen that are like appraising this new AI and like what's possible. Even Sam Altman said it's a really interesting use of GPT-4. Um, yeah, that's, that's my AI of the week. 
So we've got one in this week. We'll keep thinking for next week. So let's um let's let's wrap it up. So one thing you may or may not have signed up for yet, if listening to this, is our AI Insider Cleat newsletter. So if you haven't signed up for it yet, please go to the website implementai.io and sign up for that. And they'll give you you know some tips, tricks, news, things that we're we're doing, information about the events we've talked about. So everything you need to know from Implementai is going to be in that newsletter as well. And also, if you want to book a consultation, be it a boardroom briefing or uh, we do various other ones, different types of businesses, then please, there's a form there as well. Fill it out. Just let's talk, I think it's called. Get onto our website, fill it out, and we'll be in touch with you. And we can do those things usually within a week, depending on uh, what, what this sort of diary is looking like. And then again, last thing really is if you enjoy this podcast, whether it's audio, you're watching on YouTube and video, don't forget to subscribe. Please share it. If it's interesting or useful to anybody else, uh, subscribe on YouTube. And also, please do rate the show and rate the podcast if you're enjoying it. Last thing is fractional chief air officer. Um, this is the service we already deliver. If you're interested in that, get in touch as well. So that's it for this week. It's been a, a chock-a-block week. We're going to evolve some of these uh, things we've shown you, like Claude 2 and ChatGPTs. We also are going to be doing more training, so we can build some of that into the, the pod as well, but we'll try and keep yeah. it short and sweet, give you a few tasters. So from us for this week, we'll see you at the same place. Uh, probably will be the same place next week. I'm sick of traveling, and so is Alok. Uh, and same time. See you then.